I wouldn't normally join a club that would have me as a member. However, <laughs> you can turn LEDs down to have that effect combined with some kind of ketamine trip, can't you? <laughs> and the video is about seven seconds long, and it finishes with me saying a rude word. Did you hear that? Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, listeners. This is Mark here. You join us for another weekly podcast episode from Single Tram Magazine. I'm joined here in our virtual studio by Charlie. Hello, guys. And Benji. Hello there. Brilliant. Now, coming up in this episode, we've got a lot of things to talk about. Uh, but first of all, before we start, I'd like to announce uh, the sponsor of this episode. So, guys, how does a free case of beer sound to you? It's pretty close to my top <laughs> list of my favourite things. <laughs> well, it sounds good to me, especially since each of us has exactly that in front of us right now. Our pals at Beer52 are offering you, our listeners, a free case of eight craft beers. Simply go to www.beer52.com forward slash single track and cover the meagre postage cost of just £5.95 to claim your free case. So that's beer52.com forward slash single track. We'll put a link to that in the show notes for this episode and also in the podcast story on our website. Now, Charlie, Benji, mm -hmm. did you know that Beer 52 is the biggest beer club in the world? Wow. I wouldn't normally join a club that would have me as a member. However, <laughs> I think the entry requirement's rather reasonable here, and uh, I passed. I passed. I'm in. <laughs> well, each month they send their members a case of beer from a different part of the world, and I can vouch for that personally as I am a genuine paid-up member, and I've been for quite a while. Uh, so far, I've received beers from 40 different countries spanning five continents, from big, juicy pale ales to delicious, sumptuous stouts. You can try the best beers from across the world with the UK's number one beer club. And if dark beer is not your thing, you can choose the light-only case, which is something I did myself after a month or two. I've even paused my sub for a month after I'd been ill for a week and I'd built up a serious enough stockpile for my wife to complain that she didn't have enough space in the fridge for her kale. So um, <laughs> you also get Ferment magazine in each box and some snacks. 
And even if after all that you're still unsatisfied, you can simply pause or cancel anytime. So that's beer52.com forward slash single track to claim your free case now. That's the sponsor's message out of the way. So in order to mark this special beer-flavoured episode, we're each going to crack a can from our Beer 52 box during this episode. So, uh, yeah, before we crack on, I've chosen a modern pale ale, hazy golden juice. I'm reading it from the can. Uh, beer Bliotech. Here comes the sun. I thought it was quite appropriate today because it's absolutely hooning down outside. The weather is shocking. So I've gone for a beer that says, here comes the sun. What have you got, Charlie? Which one have you picked? I picked Hazy Day Hero Hazy Session IPA. It's Norwegian, and I picked this one because it's got an alien and a sea is on fire, and there's mountains and spaceships. It's got a giant <laughs> eye, which looks a little bit sexy. And uh, yeah, I picked it. I'm cheap. I'm shallow. Uh, I love marketing, and, and I'll, yeah, show me. Put an alien on it. I'll probably buy it. <laughs> uh, ben, what are you choosing? Well, I've not opened mine yet. Look, I've just defocused. Look, reveal. All right, uh, listeners, we've got right. a video going on in the background here. Well, always, just like being um, the knife, be careful. So I don't know what it is, the box. What's in the box? Should I just pull one out, see what we get? Right. Wow. Unboxing Stuff. on a podcast. Go <laughs> <laughs> on, Ben, describe what have you got there. Well... I have a greetings card and I have a story of craft beer. What would you call that? A novella? So it's really yeah. fiction, it's isn't of, it? But there a, we go. It's a book. There's book. two Ooh, snacks. snacks or something. Sour cream and chive crunchy peas. Ooh, crunchy peas. This is working. And um all right, tandoor chili, right, good. What's that thing that happens on podcasts or there's the audio phenomenon where people have like eargasms? ASMR.biz or something, yeah. Is that, yeah. I'll... Right. Go on. It's, it's lucky It's here. like, I don't know. I've got a solar flare. Is it kind of rainbowy and quite mm. trippy, the graphics? Wow, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's a rainbow. I'm, I'm, since Ben's actually just staring at it and not actually describing well, it in an audio I'm trying to read it. I think like, that's one of the, the exciting things about when you get these boxes is trying to find out where it, what is it called, how much alcohol is in it, yeah. where is oh, it from. Just nobody likes dead air on a podcast, Ooh. Benji. I like solid air. That was John Martin album. Should we get that on in the background? Is he still alive? I've got no idea what you just said. Oh, well, everyone go and listen to that after you've done this, if you're on Spotify. <laughs> Type in John Martin with a Y. I'm going to go for um, Gorilla. Gorilla. Okay. Yep. Right, we have to choose the appropriate points in this podcast because I think we need to move on from beer to actually some mountain bike news. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, it has to be said, it's, it's actually, what time is it now? It's 10 to 2 in the afternoon. It's half 8 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> It's beer o'clock. Well, you know, just to put this in context when this was recorded, we've just literally found out that Liz Truss has resigned. So that's where we are in the week. So you, yes, that, yeah. there you go. What, you can root yourself in that for a timeline. What better time to open a beer? Yeah, what better time to open a beer? That's true. Right, okay. Uh, before we do that, I'm going to do... I'm gonna, I've am gonna. i got my microphone here. Just bear with me because I'm just going to pull this down. And I am actually going to be the first one of us to open this beer. I'm going to do it right next to the microphone. Okay, okay. So this is my beer bibliotech. I hope it's... Do you hear that? That was right. I think I thought I watched something that was voted the number one most satisfying sound of the world or something. A, a can opening or something. Can you hear Apparently. 
There we go. Right, I've opened it. I'm not going to drink it now. We're going to move on to um, our first actual relevant talking point. <laughs> Do get carried away when beer comes into the building, it has to be said. Right, this week... Let's talk about some of the news that's broken this week that isn't to do with our government collapsing. Ben, what was the biggest news story of the week? Uh, unfortunately, it'll be Revolution Bike Park announcing they're going to have to close in uh, January for, um, is it Larch disease or something like that? And I think that's going to compulsory felling of everything that's there. I think they're still, they're still going at the moment, so I don't like think they're closed. I think they'll need as many visitors as they can get. But yeah, until January, I think it is. Yeah, that's quite tragic. Mid Wales, especially mm. because they're actually up for one of our awards. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, and on on the on the topic of awards, um, it's actually really really important. Everybody heads to our website this week because we've got how many days left of voting? Well, depending when this goes out, it finishes on Tuesday twenty fifth of October, yeah. I think. So we've got a weekend and a bit. We'll have this out before then. The single track awards is sort of like the democracy that works. Which is quite refreshing. You know, if you're bored with normal democracy, we, we have the single track awards where you vote and it makes a difference. I'm trying to think, yeah. So singletrackworld.com slash reader awards. That's the one, isn't it? Oh, sorry, I've just had a mouthful of beer. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> it was just instinct. I've got to go and pick up a kid to do the school run in. Anyway, it's not unusual. <laughs> <laughs> Right, yeah, so the awards, get over to our website and vote. It's important you do that because these are your awards. These are the awards uh, voted for by the readers. We don't vote for these. Um, or we do, but just as normal punters like you. So get over there. Uh, you've got a few days left and help us pick a winner. I don't think I have voted, actually, if you voted, Charlie, like properly. Yeah, yeah. I did properly. the. Uh... Yeah, totally voted. Uh, um, most innovative, the, the, um, that Dijon custard coloured um, trek. With the with the silent motor that makes me look like I can cycle up hills like an eighteen year old. Got my vote. Ah, uh, yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, when are we giving out the prizes for the awards? Anyway, uh, Charlie, can you tell us about that? When are we doing that? Yeah. No, I can't. I have no idea. I imagine we're going to the trades club <laughs> in Hedden Bridge. We're not. Okay. Right. Just let me explain, Charlie. <laughs> we're going to the Kendall Mountain Festival. Oh. Okay. Remember, we mm. talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Kendall Mountain Festival, mid-November. Not 19th. sure. Nineteenth. And uh and so we'll be up there on bike night. Trek bike night. Indeed. Trek bike night at the Kendall Mountain Festival. Get your tickets now. Get up there and uh come and join us on bike night where we'll be handing out a whole bunch of awards to the winners of our awards. So yeah, I think Amanda's actually in the middle of designing them right now and they're looking fairly cool. So anyway, let's let's move on from that. What else is happening this week? What's happening right now in Utah, Ben? There'll be people jumping off lumps, won't they? Rampage. Um, I have lost track of where it is in Utah because they keep moving it around, don't they? But it's back at where it's been before, but not last year's venue. They all look like Roadrunner, don't they? They all look like like kind of Warner Brothers uh, aesthetic and doing similar kind of things, really, aren't they? (laughs) Charlie, how would you describe Rampage to somebody who's never come across it before? It's what kids doodled whilst they weren't paying attention at school 30 years ago is now reality. They'd have, they'd have doodled impossible backflips off mountains and down cliffs. It's now reality. But I, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I might be a bit anti it. It's bloody dangerous. It's really bloody dangerous. And um, there's a guy, um, Paul Basso Evil Gottier. Oh, oh, Evil Knievel, yeah. We can blame him, this is where it all started. Oh, yeah. 
But this pool <laughs> chap, he uh, paralyzed himself there in 2015. They made a movie about it called Any One of Us. And but I remember seeing a picture of him on a stretcher or in a bed, and he threw a shaka, which is stick your little finger out, big thumb out. It's got a Hawaiian surfing thing for like, hang loose, right on, right on, brother. And I'm like, and he, he had his wristbands, his passes and stuff still on him. And he's, uh, it's, it's not right on, mate. You're, 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 you're stuffed. And, um, and it's like, and I think, you know, where, where do you draw a line? It's really effing dangerous. It's great entertainment. And, you know, from your sofa where it's totally safe. And I'm sure people are happy with the sales of uh, a sports drink that gives me hideous cramp. And so it's a win-win everywhere, apart from people who are almost dying or having their lives cut short in, you know, they're losing their mobility. I, I don't, I, at what point does someone go, and it's the same with uh, Nazareth, people surfing 100-foot waves. You're like, that's really effing dangerous as well. And, uh, you know, where do you draw a line? It's people's choice. But this, is not, um, this isn't someone climbing Everest. This is someone putting on a show for a sports drink. And so I'm, I'm in two minds. I don't know if I like it. I don't know if I enjoy watching it anymore. I have a great deal of sympathy for that viewpoint too. And uh, I, I suspect there's many out there that also share that view. It worries me every time, every year, is this going to be the year where there's another accident? Maybe we do sound old when we say this, I guess. But, I mean, the whole point of Rampage is that, just to give a really quick sort of thumbnail idea of what it's about, in case you don't know, uh, sponsored riders head to the desert in Utah, sponsored by Red Bull, and they're going to say it, and they go into the desert on the natural trails and they pick out and create and dig lines from the top of these enormous sort of... Um, they're not mountains, are they? It's kind of just all very lumpy in the desert, isn't it? If you're and, from uh, Surrey, it's a mountain. Yeah, and they get they do a run. They do a single run that involves jumping across canyons, doing backflips, and all the, all the sort of stuff you see at Crankworks, I guess, except this is in the desert, and this is on real rocks and, and real canyons and things, and they get scored on how good their run is. But there's people picking, they, each rider can go and carve out their own line. And every year there's somebody going, trying to do something bigger and better than before. And yeah, like Charlie said, there has been serious accidents in the past, life-changing accidents. And yeah, and I'm with you, Charlie. I'm not sure sport is meant to be like that. You know, we're meant to push the limits and everything, but maybe in a more controlled, safer environment than the desert of Utah. But yeah, it's interesting. Ben, what's, what are your thoughts? Are we just being old? It's not as dangerous as it, as it used to be, which I think is... Um, I think the way it has gone that way, where they're now there for days, aren't they? And they are essentially building crankworks out of soil. What's it called? I don't know, really. It's loads of sandbags and stuff, so it's not... I find it quite hard to watch because it is so long. If you watch the live broadcast, it is unreal. It's like, oh my God, we're just looking at flags... Whilst the guy from Dodgeball commentates, <laughs> is it really? Oh, I mean, no, I'm but it feels it, like that. you turn drivel. <laughs> <laughs> but they, the highlight, the, 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 like they advertise the highlights show you can watch. That's two and a half hours. I wouldn't watch it live because it's just like a turgid, weirdly. I don't know. It's the same as roadies. 
killing themselves with PEDs, isn't it? As soon as you introduce competition to push bikes, people health goes down the drain. It's one of those ironies. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, know. you can see you can you can actually if you if you want to see what it's all about, if you're into it, if you if you're not and you're just curious, you can if you follow our Instagram account at Single Track Magazine, then we've got a man on the ground doing uh, stories and and reels. And we've also got a photographer out there who's going to be coming back with some photographic um, stories that we'll publish in a later date. I'm not sure when that's going out. But yeah, head over to our social media feed on Instagram at Single Track Magazine. And I want everybody to go and do that. If you're not following us on Instagram, please go and do it. Right, let's move on from that. Uh, ben, you've actually published this week, it's it's the right time of year, a Bike Light Roundup review. Duh. Yeah. We're kind of putting out a series of Sunday um, buyer's guides. I think they come out on Sunday usually, and they're kind of topical for the uh, time of year. So the bike lights was the the one to do at the moment. Can I Uh, suggest hmm? an alternative view? People think bike lights, winter. Nah, bike lights, summer. Ride all the way through the night. It's warm. The puddles are made of air. (laughs) <laughs> it's brilliant your gloves the gloves yeah. are less than 20 millimeters thick so you can actually you know you, it's I, mean, I, I personally haven't i can't i think i rode last year i haven't done a night ride this year but the it's collated uh previous buying of the, the best lights we've had in the past couple of years really and rounded them up and pointed people at the right direction and what to look for mm. spoiler alert then ben what was the what was the best one out of the bunch for you Depends on your price, doesn't it? I mean, I, I, I think they're a lot of money. So I probably would just say, depending on your current income at the moment, I think you could probably get away with anything of a thousand lumens and above. Depends what your ruddy mates ride, doesn't it? So it's an, it's an arms race. If you're right at the back on a thousand lumens, you'll be knackered if you're at the front with a thousand lumens. So uh, you can still um, get out there. In um. In our Cheap Things Tuesday, which is a story about cheap things that comes out on a Tuesday, there's a bike light in there called the Blackburn Dayblazer. Blackburn Dayblazer, am I close? Yeah, yeah Dayblazer. Yep. It's an 1100 lumens. It's 30 quid at the moment from one, from somewhere. Go and have a look at the uh, Cheap Things Tuesday and click through. All right, we'll, we'll stick a link for that in the show notes. And the reason I love that is because 30 years ago-ish, I spent... A lot of money at a time, about 25 quid in a specialised, little specialised unit. It had is flickable from 2.5 watts to 5 watts, which was not enough for anything. But I recall it used more Duracell batteries in an hour than I earned in an hour as a chef. And it still didn't light your way. And, uh, and I think if you can get 1,100 lumens, which is the same as my first big exposure some I don't know, 15 plus years ago, 1100 lumens for 30 quid you can get yeah. them, have fun and uh, and you know and go and disturb the well, scary people depends who hang you're on a night ride night. doesn't it i mean my night rides are uh, not very long it's like what's the shortest they can be before can <laughs> bin it and go to the pub basically I mean, we have a 70 minute rule it's like we've got to get to 70 minutes and then everyone looks right we're going and then so that one i think probably the 30 quid one i think it was a thousand lumens for about an hour that's probably all right. If you like people who um, did like 30, 40k night rides, which is just like bananas, you're going to need serious um, power. Uh, power. Um, I don't know. Money. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ben- Benji, Mark, let you me need ask serious you um, psychological help as well. The, the amazing <laughs> thing with bike, and I think one of the things is we're, we're kind of exceptional 
in as much as the work we do means we get to spend time on bikes. If you're stuck in a in an ordinary office, which isn't full of bikes, most offices are not full of bikes, and you you get your riding time in the winter is has got to be in the dark or on a wet Saturday or Sunday, and so good set of bike lights really expands your cycling but it also expands what you see what the world will expose to you so i i was once uh, single speeding around the perimeter of a golf course in bournemouth uh i won't tell you where it is because i don't know if it was strictly a legal trail and i remember stumbling not stumbling whizzing across a um a monosexual it was a um he was he was a, a he had a leather cap with chains on it a, a freddie mercury mustache leather trousers not done up and he was monosexualing um by himself um <laughs> no one else no one did else he, wanted to join in did he have a and light he, was, he didn't have a light i did <laughs> and with being a single speed with it was i i he heard nothing nothing <laughs> before i almost ran him over and disturbed his um his evening's activity so uh benji mark have you ever um has, has night riding ever revealed anything to you i've i've certainly come across my fair share of steamed up car windows i think that's a fairly common one isn't yeah. it is that because of poor air conditioning it must be yeah i don't know what they were doing in there maybe maybe boiling a kettle maybe that's what they're doing in, in yeah. the cars i seem to come across quite a few on night rides around here i don't know what that's about <laughs> <laughs> but yes night ride it does it does transform your riding it is it is a complete transformation i always actually loved it you know back in the day when we had those lights those blackburn lights with, with two and a half watts and five watts the thing was that 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 was bright in those days and the thing was it gave such a sort of small window of light it it kind of made you feel like you were going an awful lot faster than you actually were so it kind of made night riding exciting one of the things i i miss about night riding is that the lights these days are so good it turns night to day and then you don't get that same element of imminent danger that you're about to just go over the bars and that that kind of speed feeling that you get going through the trees, yeah, but, uh, yeah. Anyway, well, you, you you can turn LEDs down to have that effect combined with some kind of ketamine trip, can't you? Because they like <laughs> shimmer, don't they? So get like best of both worlds, or, or or just don't secure the bracket correctly, so it suddenly dips <laughs> yeah. down at the ground, and then you can recreate the can't see anything. 1990s feel. Well, you start again. looking at your front tire knobs because they go all zoetropic, don't they? And, oh yeah, it looks like your wheels going crash off into a tree. Yeah, yeah. But, oh, yeah. I will night ride trippy. at some point. It's, it's just like you say. It's when you haven't been able to get enough out during the nominal daylight. It, uh, crowbar. Right. Anyway, at this round. juncture, I'm going to tell you about my beer. <laughs> I've, uh, this is the Bibliotech beer. I've drunk half of it already, actually. I don't know, but um, tasting notes on this one just. Uh, very hoppy, very pale, really cloudy. Um, it, it's, but yeah, so I'd say this is this is very sessiony. I would drink a lot of those if I had the opportunity. <laughs> would you like uh, me to update you on my beer? No, I think we'll go for the next talking point, and then uh, we, okay. we will bookmark these uh, talking well, points with with well, beer. I, I finished it and moved on. All right. <laughs> Right, okay, next thing on the list. Uh, what's going on with subscriptions, Charlie? Subscriptions, members, we love you. You're, you're brilliant people and you um, literally single track would not exist, would not be possible without your support. And so we, we have a really, really, really cool offer to encourage you, to entice you into the world of single track membership. 
there's this beautiful, wonderful, uh, exceptional product called a timber bell. So it's like a little kettlebell that clamps onto your bars. And it has a lever, an uppy-downy lever, just like a dropper post. And you can turn it off, and it stays off. But when you see ramblers ahead, you flick it down. And when it goes tingling, even works on road bikes if you wiggle the bars or hit a rough patch. And the, the beautiful thing with this bell is ramblers um, will hear you from 200 metres out. They get so much warning, and then you're making this beautiful sound that they're actually quite jolly when you pass. What's more, because the ramblers aren't zigzagging, you remember when they, you come up to them and they're like, oh, I'm going to put the dog one side of the path and the lead across it, me the other, then me and the dog are going to swap over, then I'm going to get the kids to join in and we'll just zigzag around and you're, and everyone's upset. Uh, none of that. You, and so from a performance point of view, forget harmony and love, sod that. From a performance point of view, you get to ride trails faster because it clears ramblers like moses and the dead sea of ramblers whatever that was and so it's a beautiful product it's my favorite product in the world ever it's 27.99 but it's not it's free so if you become a single track member and use the code i'm about to read out free bell zero free stick that in the code box um you get a free bell with your single track membership single track membership comes in two shapes one is digital only that's 20 quid and then there's print and digital 39 but we'd be crazy to give away a 28 quid bell with a 20 quid membership. But hey, we are. So come and join us. Go over to Single Trek World, click the join us thing and put in the code FREEBELL03. And we'll give, I will, myself, using my own hands, I will send you the most wonderful, lovely, free love product ever. Brilliant. At this juncture, we're going to take a short break and we're going to go over and hear from Hannah, who chatted to me earlier this week about the things that she discovered down at the Bespoke Handbuilt Bike Show, which took place last weekend. So over to you, Hannah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So I was at Bespoke, it's our handmade bicycle show, at the weekend. And it made me have thoughts that I'd like to organise. And I thought talking about them might help organise them. And it might work out that it's kind of interesting to listen to. But you might have to edit out some bits. So. <laughs> it's, the, it's the best kind of discussion. It's one where the other person doesn't know what the hell is going to happen. <laughs> I guess the first thing is that uh, it's under new owners it used to be in bristol this didn't it bespoke once upon a time yeah and it's moved now well it what it moved last year to harrogate and then 
um, became under the new ownership. And so this year it was in the Lee Valley Velodrome in London. And actually it's going to probably move again. Certainly is moving again a bit. So uh, next year it's going to be in Leipzig. Whoa, it's going out of the UK. Yeah. Right, well, just rewind a minute. Before we get into it, for anybody who's no idea what Bespoke is, and there's no reason why they shouldn't know because you've done a heck of a lot of coverage on this in the last few years and also this year already. So uh, we could just say, go to our website and have a look. But just in, in a couple of sentences, outline it for us. It's a celebration of handmade bicycles and handmade bicycle bits and the people that make them. So... It happens to be in the UK, and I think once upon a time it had an emphasis on being people from the UK, but Peter and Josh have made deliberate efforts to make that worldwide builders that come to the UK, or indeed to Europe next year. So, yeah, does that explain it? I think, yeah, pretty much, and people should uh, definitely go and have a look on our website right now to get the, the fine detail. So I guess that in itself is like part of my philosophical thing. Like, to some extent, almost all bicycles are handmade. Mm. Like, even the mass-produced ones that are made in Taiwan, there's usually some hands from a person that are laying up that carbon, for example. But how do you define the difference between handmade in that kind of... I don't want to use the word artisan, but... I guess that's the most appropriate word. Uh, like, you don't want to devalue people who have skills at mm. making things. So, for example, Orange Bikes was there this year. Now, that surprised me. And I think it surprised you. You asked the question, didn't you, uh, in one of our Instagram reels. Why were they there? Yeah, they were there because their, ba- their bikes are made by hand. And there's only actually about eight folk that are welding them together. They're full suspension bikes are made by hand in the UK. And I guess they're making them to a recipe, aren't they? Those those people are making them are following instructions and they are making a frame that somebody has designed. So they're sort of doing what they're told, which is different to the person that's in their shed that decides to file a joint this way rather than that way or whatever. But they are still making them by hand. And that gives them the capacity in-house to do things like the adaptive bike or their strange series of like in-house development bikes. So that's kind of, I feel like they're on the cusp. Like if there's a spectrum of handmade where kind of not really handmade, but yes, are your carbon fibre bikes in Taiwan. Mm. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you have your shed builder that's making one or two bikes a year very slowly um, and does everything by hand possibly with a file and no machinery Mm. and then orange bikes are kind of just in a big shed that's how they put it our shed is just bigger than yours yeah yeah i guess so uh, presumably there's a line and where would that line be drawn well i think that's something that um some of the handmade bike shows around the world have dabbled and struggled with because the money is in the big bike manufacturers that are churning them out Mm. and those are the people that can kind of afford to pay for a stand at a trade show and maybe support a show like this but it's not really what it's about is it because they can also afford to go to eurobike 
So, yeah, I think the lines are drawn as the show organisers see fit. But I know that Peter was keen to have orange bikes there because they do do some interesting stuff in their manufacturing process. Mm. And I guess at one point they were a small shed builder and then they have just grown into a bigger shed. Maybe that's a measure of success. Maybe that's what you want is those people, those companies like, I guess I'd put maybe Kotick and Stanton into that kind of group as well. They're bike companies that started off doing something small and grew. They're not quite the niche that they once were. Mm. So it's a measure of success. And maybe you want them to support those people who are just churning out frames at a much slower rate now. So, yeah, I don't know. So that was one of my like, hmm. It's kind of interesting. And what value do we place on it? What value do we place on the skills that are involved in making a bike? Is it wrong to devalue those people that are making them in factories to instruction as compared to a person that's following their own instructions? Does that make any sense? It kind of does. I mean, it's it's a bit existential, isn't it, really? It is. I was feeling quite existential. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was the cold and flu remedies, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's an in, interesting thought process yeah. to the, the value. It, for some reason, I'm minded about wheel building mm-hmm. and how there are machines that now just build wheels and they build really good wheels, but then there are wheel builders out there. And that really is an art. You know, mm-hmm. building a wheel is almost... I, I, I've done it in the past and I've treated it almost like a meditation I won't say that my wheels are particularly great, but it was really nice to build it. You know, build you can ride your own wheels. It adds something else to it. And I think that was the thing with a when you realise your bike is hand built by somebody, it feels different when you ride it. There's something about the fact that somebody has that perhaps you know or you know of the person. Maybe that's it. Maybe the thing about the hand built bike thing is it's about the provenance of it. It's mm. about knowing who did it. Maybe that's the thing that you don't get with manufactured bikes, is knowing exactly who made it for you. Yeah. And as, there's something in there about short supply chains as well, I think. Like, I don't think it's just about a sort of um, spiritual, oh, this feels different because I know the person that made it. I think there's a sort of practical societal impact there on having a short supply chain, on knowing the person that built the thing, um, on knowing that it's just from down the road or relatively from down the road. Mm. And from having a spread of skills as well. Like when all the supply chains fell apart in the pandemic, it kind of highlighted the fragility of our current setup. Mm. And you can you kind of can imagine a world in which you couldn't get something welded or CNC'd or whatever in the Far East. And so you'd have to get it made closer to home. And does that capacity exist here? So I think it is important to have those things and to support those things close to home. Not in a kind of um, brexit way, but <laughs> <laughs> just in a sustainability way. So have you got any pointers then if I was listening going, yeah, I get, I get, the, I get the sentiment here. Where do you start? Where would you go? Well, well, so I think I might start by just going to the show because, like, I can't afford a bespoke bicycle made for me, and I imagine a lot of people can't. But by going to the show, 
buying a ticket and talking to those bike builders and parts makers, you're like validating them. You're showing them an interest. Yeah, they spend a lot of effort and time in making these things. So, yeah, I think we should show interest in them and appreciation. And then the few people that can afford to buy these things, like Tom Howard, who <laughs> 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 doesn't seem to be able to resist, um, you know, those people will keep buying those things that catch their eye. But the rest of us kind of keep people's souls ticking along in the meantime. Mm. Yeah, and I heard that the velodrome cost 50 grand for three days. They got some generous support from SRAM, Mm. which meant that they were able to charge exhibitors the same sort of price as they'd been charged in other venues. Mm. Um, But that is... What do you call it when you book at a restaurant? Cover cover charge. Cover charge. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's a very steep cover charge. And then you've got the cost of coming to the show with your bikes, whether that's in a van or in an aeroplane or whatever. And so Peter and Josh have done a lot of work in making display stands that you could hire. So right. that you didn't, so that you could put your bike in a bike box on a plane and turn up, and you didn't have to have a great big three D stand thing going on yeah. as well. Yeah, so that made a lot of sense. But yeah, it's still a significant investment to come yeah. over. There was there was Prova bikes there come over from Australia. Crikey! Did they have an award for the long, longest <laughs> travelled? <laughs> no. I nearly gave them the best mountain bike award. Well, that's the thing we should mention, isn't it? Because you weren't just there to. Um taken the sights of the handbuilt show you were there to be a judge i was what did you judge which was really hard i had to judge the best mountain bike prize so and i'm i'm in the process of writing up that kind of process that i went through of thought and some of the ones that nearly made it and why they didn't make it on my list and that kind of thing it was really hard i had to take it very seriously i did take it very seriously and it took me all day on friday to decide who I was going to give the awards to. So, and so to us, that might just seem a bit like, well, it's just, a, it's not even a rosette. It was a diner plug that they got. <laughs> it was a very diner plug in a sort of candlestick thing. It was all very um, phallic looking, but um, there wasn't any prize, like money or anything like that attached to the prize. No. It's just prestige. But, it was actually very meaningful to a lot of the brands that were there and there were a lot of people that were a bit sad that they didn't win it or that I didn't choose them. And because effectively, that lets them say in marketing stuff, we won the mm. best mountain bike at Bespoke, which is quite a big deal. Especially quite. if you're a small brand that can't afford to pay for advertising in print or digital media. So I can hear everybody listening right now and they're screaming into their smart speakers and mobiles they're saying but who who won who won who won the ra 12 was the bike that i chose right you're gonna have to paint as an oral <clears throat> picture paint me a picture um it was very red and shiny but that's not why i chose it it's a full suspension bike um, they, they did have a raw full suspension bike at the show last year. But this one had had some little incremental changes. So there's a bit more travel. It had a little flip chip 
in it so that you could put a 27.5 wheel in the back. It also had another little chip so you could alter the uh, suspension ratio on it, which I thought were kind of things that you might expect from a production bike. So is it, what made it stand out against all the other worthy candidates? Why did that one win for you? It was a mixture. So it was the technical... Uh, technical features that it offered the rider along with the complexity of the construction there's a lot of different it's a bit like the bake-off there's a lot of different skills going into making that bike and a lot of parts being made in-house so I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume you took some pictures so yes for the listener's benefit now can they go to the website now and see pictures of this by the time that you have edited this and we have had the conversation and I have I will have finished writing it yeah there'll be pictures then so there we go <laughs> if you want to see what uh, what Hannah's talking about then head to the website the question of marketing and the the cost of coming to the show was justified by a lot of these brands by it well this is my opportunity to access the media because otherwise the media won't take any notice of me because I can't pay to play. Which, being the media that has to pay the bills uh, and keep the lights on, I kind of felt like, ooh, ooh, sort of stuck in the middle here. Because I understand where they're coming from. They're frustrated that they can't get coverage. But equally, we know where we're coming from in that we need brands to pay <laughs> for advertising. <laughs> True. <laughs> or we won't exist. Yes. it's a, Sometimes it's a really difficult balance. I mean... Mm. That's one of the reasons why we have Fresh Goods Friday, isn't it? Fresh Goods Friday is not pay to play, yeah. no matter what anybody thinks. And, yeah. uh, and it always has been, and, and deliberately so. I mean, how many times do we get a press release or you get an email from some brand somewhere that we've never spoken to or dealt with, and they'll say, we've got a product here and we think you'd be really interested in it. How much would it cost to feature in Fresh Goods? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> we said, well, yeah. nothing, just send it. And usually you can sort of uh, you can anticipate their incredulity when you say to them, just send it, we'll, mm. we'll put it in Fresh Goods. <laughs> but, yeah, it's such a difficult thing, isn't it, for yeah. small brands to get the exposure that they need. I did feel like this relationship meant that it's really important that shows like Bespoke happen and that the industry needs to find ways to make sure that they continue because I think that the bike industry would be a much sadder place without the kind of innovation and creativity that you get. In conclusion, <laughs> we, we need to go again. We need to go again. <laughs> and we so need, does everybody need, else who's listening. Yes. And we need all uh, the, the, the benefactors like um, SDG and um, ANSRAM both gave quite significantly to make the, the show happen. You know, we need, we need those kind of industry mm. people to, to keep doing that. It's fairly intangible what the return on investment might be for them, I imagine. But yeah, it's a good thing that they do it. Yes. Um, and um, and I think it's a really, uh, I think people that maybe haven't been to the show won't appreciate that it's it's not just about the bikes and uh, like trying to fill an order book or something mm. like that. I think very few bikes are sold via the show. Um, it's more about 
creating those relationships and chatting to the builders and the builders chatting to each other and uh, mm. just sort of appreciating um, the it's different some, people. It's its own community, isn't it? It's, uh, it's the power of community. It is. And really importantly, I think it's out of the silos of it being a mountain bike show or a road bike show because there are all different sorts of bikes there and it was quite apparent to me that uh, there are different cultures within within cycling and that it's healthy for the the different disciplines to meet and kind of learn from each other so yeah. there we go mm. that's that's really interesting <laughs> no, no I hope generally. It is to somebody. So, but so next year it's in Leipzig. <laughs> next year it's in Leipzig, and then it's going to move to spring, right? Um, rather than it being an autumn show. Very um, interesting. Yeah. Right. So head yeah. to our website, look at all the stories, get all the info you need, and uh, start planning ahead and booking your tickets for Leipzig next year. <laughs> Yes. Oh, and I absolutely, I have to give a sort of special mention and accolade or something to uh, Peter and Josh who put the show together this year because they went to great lengths to uh, be more inclusive um, and increase the diversity of people at the show and displaying at the show. So it wasn't all just white men in sheds and it was really really noticeable that there there was a lot more people there uh, a lot of really interesting discussions happening um and yeah a really like inclusive and cool vibe going on but yeah uh, i know that took a lot of effort so i do appreciate them Okay, so that's that's the Bespoke Bike Show for you guys. So make sure that next year you check that out. Well worth a visit. Right, back into the room. Back with Benji and Charlie. Charlie, you've drunk one can of beer. I think now is the time <laughs> to tell us why you're on another. Oh, I, yeah, I would tell you about the first can of beer, but it's gone now. The you graphics were it. awesome. <laughs> it was lovely. I'm now on the Gorilla, 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 Gorilla. Um I have to put my old man glasses on to read. Um, it's from two tribes. It's compatible with campfires. It's a hazy power. It's 5.0. And the graphic, I chose this one because the graphics look a bit like the graphics on a Kotick. Wow. Okay, there you go. There's a shoehorned in a bike reference. Well done, Charlie. <laughs> and uh, it's nice and beery. Yes, I like it. It's, uh, it's light. It's, it's really sessionable, as was the other one, evidently. <laughs> <laughs> And um, yeah, I'm probably yeah, don't, yeah. Right, I'll be fine. Don't worry, okay. <laughs> productivity won't be affected. <laughs> hey guys, um, I was um, down in London a few weeks ago, and I was walking to a podcast summit. It was like a meeting of podcasters, ironically enough. And uh, as I was walking down the street, you know what caught my eye? No, I thought is this a joke? A short person with an umbrella. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Ah, had a bum tish. Sorry, I've been saving that joke up. Right, okay. No, actually, what what's <laughs> happened is I've got a social dilemma after that trip. And the social dilemma is what's happened to my social media feed since I came back from London. I think Charlie knows what's coming. I want to just talk about my Instagram feed. Now, before I went to London, I had a 
just an old. And we're not talking about the Single Track Mag Instagram account, which everybody should go and follow. That again, that's at Single Track Magazine. Go and follow it. Uh, but I'm talking about my own personal one, which is, um, you know what? I'm not even going to actually say what it is because this is not about promoting my social media feed. Ironically, it's about everything but. Because before I went to London, my Instagram account, I had about 450 followers and it had been stuck like that for years. And, you know, it's full of pictures of me playing the drums, the occasional bike thing, you know, the usual sort of personal guff. Anyway, I went to London and I, went to, I checked in at a hotel in Tavistock Square. I went to my room and it was during the day, so it was a weekday, so I, had to, I thought I'm going to check in, I'm going to get some work done, so I fire up my laptop, I put my laptop on the desk, there was a plug right in front of me on the desk, got out my laptop charger, went to plug it in, it wouldn't fit in the socket because the socket was about an inch above the desk and I had a MacBook charger. I thought, oh no, there must be another socket in the room. There wasn't. This was the only socket in the room, not even by the size of the beds. So oh, what am I going to do? I thought, I'm so going to go down to reception and ask them. Charlie, so, so, so a MacBook charger is, is, that, is, is big and It's got a massive, massive lump attached to it. And I, I, to save weight, I hadn't taken the long extension wire. I'd just actually, MacBook chargers, you can actually have the three-pin plug attached to the box, to the actual charger thing. That's what ah. I had. I was stuffed because I needed to plug in. So I thought, I'm going to go down to reception. But I, before I went, I thought, I'm going to have a really hard job trying to explain this problem to them. So I thought, I'm just going to video it. So I just got my phone out and I just took a video of me trying to plug my laptop charger in. And the video is about seven seconds long and it finishes with me saying a rude word. But I thought, this is better when I go down to reception. I can literally just show them my phone. Uh, and I did. And to be honest, I went down and they came up with it. They said, oh, we've got an extension for you. And they gave me a wire and it was fixed. Anyway, I decided that this little video, I was going to stick it on my Instagram feed as a reel. So I did. It's it all it is. I is me just trying to plug a charger into a wall socket, failing and saying a rude word. That's so, it. This sounds like the worst television in the world ever. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Do you know where we are three weeks later? Sorry we ever did it. <laughs> six and a half million views later. <laughs> and I've gained two and a half thousand new followers. So it sparked what I can only describe as plug wars. All the, all the, the 500 comments, um, 150,000 likes. And in the comments, it's just full of like, it, first of all, it's Americans going, ha ha, stupid plugs. American plugs are the best. And then you've got some Germans going, no, 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 no. I think you'll find our plugs are the best. And uh, and then the Brits going, no, 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 but ours are the safest in the world. Ha ha, but it didn't help you there. And then the some Japanese have come in and said, actually, you're all wrong. Our plugs are the best. And it's just turned into some amazing plug wars. But this isn't my dilemma. I mean, I've, I've, I'm now closing on 3,000 followers. My dilemma is that that's 2,500 people who are expecting plug-related content from me. I've and got I don't worse, know what to do now. <laughs> I've got worse news for you. I think uh, whilst you were explaining that, I've just put seven seconds in, but was it six million people? Yeah. Right. Um, basically, you have stolen 11,660 man days from the world. If all those seven seconds are adding up to 11,666.67 man days, Think of what good could have been done instead. Uh, you know what? And, and this, is a, this is a lesson I want to get out to the kids. Yeah, hey, kids, I, I struck gold with, with this, this irrelevant, stupid plug-related video of seven seconds. It's got me six and a half million views. I've gained two and a half thousand followers. And do you know how much my life has improved because of this? Not a f***ing jot. Are we allowed to say fuck? 
I'll beep it, don't worry. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that changes yeah. everything. Let's start again. It'll, it'll buff out in the edit, don't worry. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing has changed. It's pointless. It's just inane gibberish. And I think about how much time and effort we put into creating content, and then I do a seven-second video of a bloody plug failure, and, and, and this happens. I find it incredibly frustrating. <laughs> But what do I do next? What's what's my next social media post on that? You know, I would think you offer your channel to Screwfix, don't you? <laughs> Let's try and flog it. Yeah. Anyway, or or, or say B and Q interested first. So, um, <laughs> Mark, I'll drop off um, some bum butter stickers to you if you can put them on all your plugs <laughs> going forwards. <laughs> and, uh, and for every million visits, for every million followers, I'll give you a beer. The lesson we could take away from it is probably we need to. Do something that's because um, it's about satisfying versus uh, annoying, isn't it? Is that what it is? That that kind of vibe on the internet. You get really satisfying things, mm. and you get annoying things. What's so, an, what sort of bike-related equivalent we could do? Seven-second video of a failure. <clears throat> the tires that don't fit into bike racks is the main thing yeah. that annoys me. <laughs> <laughs> we could do that. Well, there's the challenge. If there's any listeners out there going, yeah. any recommendations of what I should, where I should go next with my power plug related following? It's like a bike provision that doesn't fit the bikes that we have. So, b- bike racks on trains that work on top tubes that I don't have on a bike anymore and stuff like that. It's yeah. like like good good intentioned social infrastructure that oh works on a I... Vickers bike from 1940. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> there we go. I think we've got our social media strategy for the next month completely nailed. Right. Nineteen forties bicycles is our <laughs> social media strategy. Excellent. Oh has either of you got anything else before we wind this inane chat up for this week? I just can't I can't think we're supposed to talk about something else. I can't think. We haven't oh, had your beer uh, impression, Ben. What have you got? I've not opened one yet. Oh, you've been delaying because you've got a school run to do in a minute, haven't you? Yeah, what's they're all 33, 30 mil, aren't they? Yeah. There's one tool can in there, but I didn't get that. Mm, so you've had that one. Cowley That's the Mango. best one. You had that one, didn't you, Martin? That's the best. I'll say cover. It's not a cover, is it? Is it a cover? Like an album cover? <laughs> the album cover is good on there. Uh, yeah, that's Bibliotech. That's a good one. That's an interesting observation. Now that music's all digital and you don't get to see album covers, I'm, an, I'm now enjoying the art of beer cans. In the same way I used to enjoy album covers. You do you want me to open this? Should I open it with a fizz? Do, a it. Noise? Next to you, do it next to your microphone. Couldn't go everywhere, couldn't it? Hang on. I've got a glass as well. Can you hear that? I, don't really I heard that. That was a good sound. Mm. I like that. Pilsner. All right, good. Okay. Modern lager thing. All right. We need your quick opinion. Come on, quick. It's warm. It's not actually, because it's in the house, so it's probably about right. <laughs> it's about 12 degrees on them. It's worth saying that Benji is wearing a puffer jacket and a woolly bubble hat indoors. And wool leg liners and over trousers and wool socks and insulated slippers. Mm. Right, I'm going to wrap this up now. I think we've uh, blathered on enough. I think we've got everything covered. Don't forget to uh, check out that Beer 52 offer. That's uh, beer52.com forward slash single track and go and grab yourself a free box of beer. That's it for us. So I'm going to say goodbye. Goodbye, Charlie. Goodbye, guys and girls. Goodbye, Benji. Au revoir. All right, join us next week for some more inane chat, probably with less beer next week. Boo.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.